This is Agent to Agent Remarks. My name is Jeff Lavelle. I am a real estate broker and property manager with The Brokerage, a real estate firm just outside of Las Vegas in Henderson, Nevada. Agent to Agent Remarks are those comments in the multiple listing system that aren't shared with the general public. They're just those private comments between the real estate agents. And so this series is going to focus on fun stories, not so fun stories, and all those little things that you don't always get to hear about. And it's far from reality TV. It's the real part of real estate. So sit back, relax. Let's talk about some real estate. And thanks for stopping by. Man, I have been thinking of doing this forever. And I have really been putting it off. I don't know why. I've been enjoying this process so far. But this first episode, I am just going to introduce myself to you a little bit kind of give you a history of what the last 15 years compressed into 30 minutes has been like, a few poignant moments, things that really stand out in my mind today, and some things that are just kind of generally where this all started from. So if you know me already, you know I'm a little bit off the beaten path, and if you don't know me yet, hopefully you like my sense of humor. I think I'm hilarious, my wife would disagree, but let's get started. It's my first podcast. Thank you for joining me. Um, It's my first time, so please be gentle. I don't know what we're going to say, what we're going to do. I'm sure there will be some moments that I'm scratching my head wondering why I said what I said, and I'm sure there's going to be some times when I'm kicking myself for not saying something differently, but we're going to do it. We're going to make it work. So I've been in Las Vegas for 29 years at the time of this recording. So we got out here, and I went to school here went to uh, grade school, high school, and college. Went to University of Nevada, Las Vegas, the University of Never Leaving Vegas, as some people say, but I really enjoyed my time there, met some great people. And then I decided to go into real estate after getting my degree. I got my degree in psychology with a minor in political science. So as you can imagine, I don't use either of those in my professional career. Maybe some of you can sympathize with that, but uh, I am pretty happy with what I've done so far. My career in real estate started in 2004. I had just graduated or was getting ready to graduate from UNLV and I decided that, uh, you know, they offered a two-week course in real estate, right? 90 credit hours, you can't beat that. So I went to real estate school in between the spring semester ending and the summer semester beginning because I always went to summer semester so I could get as many stupid classes out of the way as I possibly could. Um, I attempted it in fact that's <laughs> that summer session to get pre-calculus out of the way which um, was not a great decision because I didn't even get pre-calculus out of the way period even with a full semester I couldn't do it. But I am able to compute other sums without numbers and letters being involved. And so I went into real estate. I had an aunt in real estate in Manhattan Beach, California, another dear, dear, dear friend in uh, Naples, Florida, Pat Candido. And uh, so I decided it would be worthwhile. I said if I could sell high-end prescription sunglasses, uh, I can sell real estate. At the time, I worked my way through Uh, part of high school and all through college at a high-end prescription and non-prescription sunglass store. And so it was that I was good at sales. So I said to myself, if I'm good at sales in retail, why don't I just try to go into sales in 
housing, right? It's a lot better to sell something at uh, a percentage of $250,000 than it is to sell a percentage of $250. So so I burned the ships, as they say. I, I quit my job in high-end optical, started my career in real estate. And in fact, my amazing broker at the time, Kathy Hornis, who would probably be mortified by me mentioning her in any format other than in person, uh, she followed up on me over and over again. I had submitted a, a resume to her, which apparently real estate agents don't do because any broker in town will hire you. Um, but I submitted a resume to her with a headshot, mind you. I was 21 years old and uh, very, very green around the gills, didn't know what to do. And Kathy called me up and she said, Jeff, you know, I think you're going to be great at real estate. You should come be a real estate agent. And that was all it took. Somebody just had to stroke my ego a little bit. And I abandoned ship. I was making a pretty good living in high-end optical management at the time. And uh, I said to myself, well, self, if this woman who you've never met before and spent about an hour and a half with believes in you and she thinks that you could be a killer real estate agent, well, why don't you just believe her and jump ship? Quit your job, lose your insurance, uh, you're still living at home, just go out there and do it. This is the best time. So that's what I did. I quit my job. I left all of that behind to start a career in real estate. And I was 21. I was thin at the time. You can't see me right now. I'm not thin. No one would ever describe me as thin, but I was at the time. And uh, I thought to myself, well, let's become a real estate agent with no guaranteed income, with no guaranteed success, and uh, to hell with all the rest of it. So that's what I did. I became a real estate salesperson, license 63455. Thank you very much. I do remember it. And I started with a company here in town that really didn't recruit new agents uh, in, in large numbers like some other companies in town. So I went through a lot of training, how to sell houses and all this other fun stuff. And my very first sale was a friend of mine who is still a dear friend today. In fact, she and her husband are my kids' karate instructors, uh, Michelle Canella at the time. Now she's known as Michelle Young. Um, uh, and so I, I sold her her very first townhome. And I'll never forget, it was a D.R. Horton townhome out in the wagon wheel. So it's going to be what people call Hendertucky, but it's the wagon wheel and 95 interstate area. And I thought, gosh, this is easy. I just brought this person into this open house. Uh, well, not open house, really, but I mean, I guess that's what it's like when you're in new home sales. So I brought her to this builder's uh, property, and I signed her in. We walked around a couple of the models. She liked them. She wrote an offer. And I thought, God, this is going to be easy. What the hell was I doing spending my time, wasting my time in college? <laughs> wasted four years. I could have been selling real estate. So anyway, it, uh, it all fell apart after that. No, it was, it was pretty good. I, I spent uh, a lot of time on the phones calling people whose homes had not sold, right? That's right. I was despised by hundreds, if not dozens of hundreds of people. Um, I would call them early in the morning to remind them that their home had not sold previously. Um, and it went something like this, ring, ring, Hello. Hey, good morning. This is Jeff Lavelle with the blah, blah, blah. I just noticed your home came up as an expired listing and I was calling to find out when do you plan on hiring the right agent for the job of selling your home? And they go, what? I didn't know my home. 
well, if you'd sold your home, where would you gonna, where were you going to go next? And so it was a script that I, I did every morning with a dear friend of mine, uh, Paula Burleson. And we spent hours and hours on the phones calling through hundreds and hundreds of expired listings, people whose homes hadn't sold, whose real estate agents for their fault or not had not been able to sell the property. And so it was this lackluster start to a uh, so far pretty good career, but I was the king of the phones. I was the king of calling people up and talking to them and um, genuinely trying to figure out what it was that caused their home not to sell. And I really did, and I really do believe that I'm the right agent to help them get that job done. Um, And early on, I was very, very nervous about being completely honest with people. I needed the listing. I needed the sale. But I also knew that by not being honest with people completely, um, I was doing them a sort of disservice because was there a reason their home hadn't sold? And that leads me to one listing that I will never forget. It was on Aladdin Lamp. That's right, Aladdin Lamp. It's out off of, again, Wagon Wheel in 95. And it was this... (laughs) delightful couple that I will always remember and their 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 names were Boots and George Seymour Boots that's right like uh, Dora the Explorer so I get this hot sheet in the morning and I see this name and it's Boots and I thought is this a typo so I dialed the number and I had my headset on. I was dressed in a suit and tie. I was good looking, everybody. I was going to stand in our office bullpen looking schnazzy, even though no one was seeing me except for my colleagues because I wasn't getting as many appointments as I wanted to. So I call this number. Hi, I'm looking for Boots. And this little southern accent I hear, yeah, what do you want? I said, well, Boots, my name is Jeff Lavelle, and I'm calling because your home came up as an expired listing in our computer, and I was wanting to find out when do you plan on hiring the right agent for the job of selling your home? I don't want to hire another real estate agent. I, you know what? I've already got some interviews. H- have a good day. And she hung up with me. So I moved on. You know, you don't uh, you don't spend too much time when you're doing this sort of, uh, of calling. You don't spend too much time uh, crying over the person that didn't take your call that morning. So I went on and I continued down this path. And three months later, guess what I saw on my hot sheet again? Boots. Well, this time I decided to hell with my script. I'm going to go off script and I'm going to call Boots and I'm going to talk to her person, a person, mano y mana. And uh, so I, I called her up and I get the same answer. Hello. I said, hi, Boots. This is Jeff Lavelle. We talked three months ago when your home hadn't sold the first time. And I know that you probably don't want to talk to another real estate agent, but I can't help but wonder why your home didn't sell a second time. And I want to come out and I want to give you my honest opinion as to why your home didn't sell. Well, all right. I'm entering. Th- I'm interviewing three more of you people. She was so just tired of the process. And so I went out there, and I remember sitting in the bay window of their kitchenette, or not kitchenette really, but it's a one-story home, and they had this little bay window area where their breakfast nook was. And we sat in this oak, uh, I sat on an oak bench with an oak table. And the thing that first struck me as I walked in their home was the absolutely overwhelming collections. I don't know any other way to explain it. I walked in and here I was in this woman and her husband's home and they had things called uh, Kachina dolls. I don't know if you've ever seen these before. They are, I believe, a Native American, kind of like a porcelain doll with all sorts of regalia. 
they had grandfather clocks. And I mean full-size grandfather clocks. Now, this house, I want to say, was about 1,800 square feet. And it's one story, so you don't have a lot of, I don't know, a lot of areas to hide things like you do with a two-story. And she... I mean, they had, oh, in the kitchen. Oh, my gosh, the kitchen. They had this pot shelf that ran the whole, you know, in the kitchen, uh, across the entryway to the kitchen, and then part of the living room. And it was full of cookie jars, like legit cookie jars, different shapes, different sizes, different characters. And I said to myself, well duh, here's the reason your house isn't selling. It's a lovely floor plan. It's a nice home. It's a good area. You just have too much damn stuff. So we sat down and I thought to myself, how am I going to break it to this woman and her husband who boot, uh, George had given up. <laughs> he was not uh, in the driver's seat on this. He was c- perfectly content to let Boots run the show. And so we sat down in their dining room or their breakfast nook in the kitchen And the very first thing she said to me is, I just want to tell you, I'm not changing anything. I'm not taking any of my stuff down. I live here. And my response to her was, but you don't want to live here anymore. And I just looked at her for a minute and she, you could see that she didn't have an answer for that. And I said to her, Boots, I appreciate that you don't want to live here anymore. And I appreciate that this is your home. And you have obviously spent a lot of time collecting these things But it's time to start our move. And part of starting our move is putting these things in loving bubble wrap so that they make the journey to Apple Valley, California, where you two want to retire in a Sun City home. And we talked and we talked and we talked about the values and we talked about how her home was priced well, that it was just distracting, that people came into the home looking at it and were obviously just distracted by the cool stuff she had. I mean, it's interesting stuff. It's not stuff that you sit there and go, oh gosh, look at this collection of, you know, old magazines. It was neat stuff, but it was distracting. And so you'd sit there and walk through the home, which I did myself, and you're looking at things. You're looking at things that aren't the home. And what are buyers there to do? They're there to buy the home. They're not there to buy your kachina dolls or your grandfather clocks or your cookie jars or your little lighted houses that are sitting in the um, uh, the cabinet there for holiday decorations. So I made a deal with Boots and she started to soften as we got to know each other a little bit that day. She had that very hard exterior and we sat down and I said, Boots, do me a favor. Let me list your home. Let's list it at the price that you want to sell it for because I think that's what it's worth. And I'm going to give you two weeks. And if in two weeks your home hasn't sold, No, I don't even think it was two weeks. I think it was one week. I said, if your home hasn't sold in one week, I want to do a broker open house. And I want to bring all my colleagues from my office out to your home. And I want to show them this great floor plan. And I promise you, Scott is my witness, I will not coach them on the feedback that I want them to give me. I am simply going to ask them to tell me what they think it is that's causing your home not to sell in that one week period. And she knew what I was doing. And I knew that she knew what I was doing. And yes, we listed the house and a week later it hadn't sold and we had a couple of showings and no real feedback so we had our broker open house and my colleagues walked in and I provided lunch and it was great and 
we we laughed a little bit not mean laughter but just we all knew the reason we all it was no secret to us why the home wasn't selling and so boots and george came back from their day out and i had paperwork i had surveys filled out by every agent that came by the house and i presented them to them one after the other after the other after the other and each and every one of them said great home too much clutter great home too much personalization, great home, depersonalize, and so on and so forth. And she looked at me and she just had this dejected look, but she knew she'd been beaten <laughs> in the best possible way. And she said, all right, fine. I'll pack it all up. I need a few days. And I said, okay, let's take your property off the market for two days while you pack. And I had some bubble wrap and some Uh, packing tape and some boxes delivered to their house and I waited and I came back and the house was depersonalized it wasn't empty it wasn't devoid of any character or personality but it was missing all of those things that had caused us so much grief and so we took new pictures and we got it a new MLS number and it sold three days later for full price She was so grateful because George wasn't in great health that they got to go to where they wanted to. They got out of Las Vegas to Apple Valley. And that was my first really challenging sale. Um, And I really enjoyed building my business in that one-at-a-time, person-by-person way that I do today. But it was, there's always those people in your life, in your path, in your journey, whatever you want to say, that you will never forget. And Boots and George Seymour were two of those people. And they'll never know it. They'll never hear this podcast. I don't think their kids will ever hear this podcast and think, oh, I'm so glad that my parents or that I made an impact on this 20-something real estate agent. But they did, and I enjoyed that, and I enjoyed knowing that by just being being frank with them, being respectful, polite, but direct, they were able to accomplish the goal of selling their home. So I started my career by doing these expired withdrawing phone calls, withdrawn phone calls, um, people who had not sold their homes. And I had that great, wonderful success with Boots and George and with many, many other people, and it led me to build my confidence in what we were doing is what I was doing as a real estate agent. And uh, then the market fell apart. We were in the Great Recession. We we're beginning phases of it. And it was the country's most impactful and devastating foreclosure crisis that it's ever seen before or since. Thankfully, we're 10 years out from that. But during that time, it was famine. I mean, we were all sitting here as real estate agents. Now, keep in mind, there were probably, I don't know, 15, 20,000 real estate agents. And, you know, every deal that's done has a side, as we say, right? A buying side, a selling side, and each side gets a paycheck at the close of escrow. And in some cases, that deal was represented by one agent. So one agent gets two paychecks. But the um, the market was It was terrible. We were trying to give these homes away. We were trying to home warranties and we'll pay closing costs. And we're, you know, they were trying to convince the owners of these properties to drop the prices. And 
and it just was it was devastating and so then we there were I gosh I want to say there were three or four months where there were 1,000 there were less than a thousand sales in those months and again so let's figure you know half of those well more than half of those deals are going to have two agents getting paid but you have maybe instead of 2,000 people getting paid of 17,000 realtors will just split the middle so instead of 2,000 realtors getting paid you have maybe 1,400 so less than 10% of the real estate agents in that time frame were actually making money were making paychecks and the sad statistics about real estate agents getting paid is that you know most agents the average agent I think in the United States does two deals per year let that sink in two two paychecks per year so that goes into a whole another issue that we'll talk about some other time but at the time it was devastating and I was sitting here thinking to myself well I probably could apply to be a teacher for my alma mater um, I could go back to re- I can't go back to retail oh my god you know the last thing that the owner of that company said to me which was kind of crappy but he said those housewives are gonna eat you alive well this was from the guy that had you know multi-million dollar properties all over the US and a house on the front of Architectural Digest out of Arizona so you know way to encourage the 21 year old right but I was sitting here thinking oh my god he was right I'm I'm gonna fall apart I'm gonna fail at this real estate career that I just started so um, I, d- I realized that I needed to be adaptable I needed to be able to take what was being presented to me by the market something I couldn't control and I needed to do my damnedest to improve to do better and I did everything I could and I, I called people and I wrote notes and I wrote postcards and I held open houses and I did all the things that we as real estate agents are supposed to do and while my colleagues were whining about and I, I you know we're allowed to whine but the predominant majority of them were whining about how inexpensive homes had gotten we had all these bank owned properties foreclosed on that were pennies on the dollar $80 a square foot $60 a square foot uh, when the high was $250-$300 a square foot in some parts of town and so their paychecks they were taking home were much much lighter than they had started out with and I said well rather than whine and moan and and go on about how little you're getting paid sell more houses I know that's a terrible rationale uh, but yeah let's go out there let's go out there and make more deals happen and so I did that and I may have been getting smaller paychecks but one I was getting a paycheck two I had more clients that I could call back on as past clients and three I wasn't gonna let the market beat me so that's what I did and I, I was pretty successful and I you know was selling the number of homes I needed to at the time I don't have the numbers in front of me but the number of homes I needed to at the time to be successful so that market downturn turned into the new normal and that's the way we operated for a number of years it turned into short sales and we started to see the sad side of real estate which is people you know good bad or otherwise losing their homes nobody necessarily wants to go through that I had many many clients that were devastated by the loss of their homes and um, you know one family kind of sits in my heart the most I guess in the sense that they had a a tragedy that they lost a a teenage son um, to depression and they needed to move out of their home 
they needed to um, they needed to be they needed to move on to a place that was not so um, deep in their memory. And so I contacted the bank, told them that we needed to sell the home, and the bank argued with me. They said, you know, we're not, we don't believe that their situation is a true hardship, that this is a, a short sale that we could, we could approve. And I asked the processor, the negotiator that we were dealing with, if he had kids. I didn't have kids at the time, but I asked him if he had kids. And he said he did. And I asked him what he would do if he came home and his child was no longer alive at that house. And there was a long pause. And I asked him if he was still there. And he told me he'd have the approval letter for me in two days. So, you know, it's, it's the one thing that bothers me so much about reality TV is the lack of reality in it. And so what you see on TV isn't what you always get. Here I was trying to beg and plead with a major national bank to let this family move away from this house where they'd experienced such a tremendous tragedy that in a normal market where they had some equity, they would be able to sell it. But they'd played by the rules. They had paid their mortgage on time for many, 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 many years. And they fell victim to a tragedy that took place at a time when they didn't have the market on their side. And I helped 140 some odd people short sell their homes. And I had people that were high-fiving me at the closing, that they were glad it was finally over. And I had people who were devastated and crying the whole way through. So on that positive note, that was the foreclosure and short sale crisis in my career. It was less than glamorous, but I know that I helped a lot of people move past it and uh, to better things. So after that, I've been to a few different companies. I've been to uh, three real estate brokerages. And then two years ago, I apparently lost my mind and I opened my own real estate brokerage. I was tired of feeling as though I didn't have uh, broker support. I was tired of not having any real control over the direction of the company I was at. Fees were going up, services were coming down, and I wanted to be at the helm. And so <laughs> there was a lot before that. There was certainly a lot of, uh, I guess, filler in between, you know, 2004 and 2017. But 2017 started the brokerage real estate firm. And it has been a whirlwind, a whirlwind ride, but it has been an absolute blast. And the people that came along this ride with me are just some of the most special people on the planet. And I am so blessed to be with a really amazing group of individuals, agents, and friends, and really my family. I mean, I, I have an amazing family. I have my wonderful wife, Keisha, who uh, keeps our household moving forward. I have two great kids that are five, and well, just turned six, actually, and getting ready to turn eight. 
Um, and I have a great, you know, my mom is wonderful. My extended family is wonderful. My wife's family, for example, just great, great people. And so they've all been, you know, really instrumental in helping me maintain that sanity, keeping real estate at the forefront, obviously, of what we do. But um, I, I'm a teacher, I think, by nature. My, my calling is to teaching, and I enjoy teaching my clients. I enjoy teaching my, my buyers the process of buying a home. I enjoy teaching my sellers what it is to have a seamless sale. And inevitably, as much as we may try to mitigate issues, there are going to be issues that we can't control. And so it's my job as the real estate professional to navigate those issues with my clients. And so, you know, like I said, this journey uh, has been really <laughs> whirlwind. So now we're, we're starting our second, no, we're starting our third year. I don't know. I'm not good with things like that, but we're, we're on our third year. How about that? And we're, our office, the brokerage real estate firm is really doing well. We're hitting our numbers. We're exceeding our numbers in many areas. And generally speaking, we're just here building a very tight knit group of agents and individuals who want to better their clients experience and have fun doing it. We don't take ourselves seriously. We take what we do seriously. We really take what we do seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously at all. And I hope that comes out to you through this podcast and I hope you enjoy it. I mean, I really enjoy talking as you probably can see, but I am most excited about bringing these really great, amazing, dynamic people to you through the podcast that I know in my industry and in my life. And I promise it's going to be a fun time. So please do come back for episode two. We're going to start that here real quick. So I look forward to bringing you some great people. We'll talk soon.